This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash be here now today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash be here now. This is Chris Grosso with the Indie Spiritualist Podcast on the Be Here Now Network. And my guest today is a fellow Advocacy Unlimited and Toivo brother, Kelvin Young. Kelvin, thank you so much for being with me today, my friend. Chris G, my pleasure, man. <laughs> let, me read, uh, let me read your bio real quick before we jump into this conversation that I'm very excited to have with you. Kelvin Young is the Assistant Executive Director of Advocacy Unlimited, Toivo Director, and believes that healing begins from within. After many years of battling with drug addiction, anxiety, and depression, he began his healing process in prison. While incarcerated, Kelvin learned about the transformative powers of meditation, which helped him look within to find inner peace in a very hostile and restrictive environment. Kelvin is a holistic stress management instructor, a sound healer, certified addiction recovery coach, and recovery support specialist. He was featured in a powerful documentary called Meditation, The Journey Within, and serves on the Connecticut Department of Mental Health and Addiction Services Multicultural Advisory Board. In 2014, Kelvin was presented and awarded the Professional of the Year Award from the Bridgeport Reentry Collaborative and also received special recognition from U.S. Senator Richard Blumenthal for being a positive role model and directly contributing to the success of reentry efforts. Today, Kelvin sustains a healthy lifestyle by eating a vegan-based diet, practicing meditation on a regular basis, spending quality time in nature, and building healthy relationships with others. That's that's just lovely, Kelvin. How are you, my man? <laughs> uh, doing well, man. Doing well. <laughs> You're a good dude. I, I love you, Kelvin. We love you too, bro. You know, we we met, uh, man. What was it? Two, three years ago now. And but I feel like the first time we met, like you know, we connected in a really authentic, sincere way, and and I just naturally felt like you were a dear friend almost right off the bat so it's always fun man to see you and to chat and i'm excited to, to have this conversation with you today uh thank you brother thank you man yeah so let's talk a little bit about old kelvin mm -hmm. the kelvin that struggled with anxiety and depression and addiction mm -hmm. and the kelvin that ended up in jail what was what did life pre- Kelvin today what did it used to be like for you and and what maybe what led you down that road what did that look like tell me all about that experience sure Chris yeah my you know thinking back about my experience growing up um you know I grew up in a two uh parent household you know my my father and mother they were there yeah. uh, but it was very strict you know and you know my my parents uh they grew up in in you know uh, South Carolina uh, and uh, my parents, uh, they're in the 80s right now. So, um, you know, they grew up the old school style, you know. <laughs> and um, so it was a very strict household growing up. And I remember ever since a, a young child, I always had a feeling of insecurity, you know, feeling of, of not good enough. And, you know, I had an opportunity to process my experiences and my emotions. And I remember staying back in kindergarten, you know, and ever since that experience, I always felt like I wasn't good enough. You know, I wasn't smart enough. I was less than. Um, so that, that sense of insecurity was there for 
a long time and at a very young age. So going through my journey in life, growing up, trying to figure out and navigate my way in my life, it, you know, I um, started stealing at a young age, um, like around nine, uh, 10 years old, started stealing, um, just started doing, getting into a lot of mischief. And, you know, just really trying to find my way in the world and, and try to fit in, you know, with the pressures of, of, of my peers and trying to make a name for myself and try to be an individual person. But at the same time, growing up in a very uh, strict household and my father, I love him, but he worked a lot. And, and growing up, um, the way that he grew up in the old school mentality, um, being supported emotionally wasn't really there, you know, so I didn't get my emotional needs met. Um, in a way that I would have liked to. And my mother, she was that support. But now I'm the youngest of, of, of five, you know, so I have four older brothers um, growing up. And, you know, that was a lot on my mother uh, and my father. But, um, you know, so just growing up and navigating through the system and having older brothers that it was getting into their thing too, you know. So I was looking up to them in so many ways and trying to find my way in the world. And, I started drinking uh, when I was like 14 years old. You know, I wanted to look and feel cool like my older brothers. I drank alcohol as well. And I remember going to the projects over my cousins and, and you know, my, my parents, they uh, moved us out of the projects into a, you know, uh, a nice multifamily home uh, into a nice home on the other side of town. But... I used to frequently go back to the projects when I was like 13, 14 years old, visit my family, my cousins. And that's when we used to drink, you know, get together on the weekends and drink. And, you know, at 14 years old, I might be telling my age, but we used to have uh, malt liquor I used to drink. So it used to be like 40 ounces of oldie. Old gold. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> and half a rapper. And, you know, and those were acquired taste. And yeah. I enjoyed it. I liked it, you know, and, and, you know, it, it was a sociable thing because I was naturally shy. I was an introvert and it allowed me to step out of my comfort zone, so to speak, and be more open and be more courageous, just be more, um, not myself. Yeah. And, um, so I enjoyed those, uh, feeling that uh, alcohol gave me and going to school and, you know, going to high school, I remember going to uh, the school dances, you know, uh, sneaking in blackberry brandy in my pocket, me and my friends to go in the bathroom and, and get drunk, and um, you know, just just tore down the, you know what I mean, the, the liquor. Yeah. And um, so through that whole process, I just noticed something different in in, in school. Um, I started skipping classes. Then I started skipping school altogether. Then by the time I, I reached 17, I just ended up quitting school altogether. And I was like, this is this is not for me. Yeah. I, I noticed the process of drinking on the weekends to drinking more heavenly uh, through that experience. And in high school, I had to sell you know a little weed and to make a few dollars. But I started smoking more heavenly. And to be honest, Chris, I enjoyed the feelings of alcohol and the marijuana. Those drugs, particular drugs, gave me, you mm -hmm. know, it, it gave me a sense of identity. Um, I belong to a certain group of people. Um, dealing with the, the, the poor self-esteem and the insecurity and feeling lack of, yeah. um, it, 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 it made me feel better. Yeah. And throughout my late teens and 20s, I continued to make poor choices in my life, which put me in very high-risk situations. You know, I remember um, being under the influence of alcohol and other drugs and, and got into... Uh, a few car accidents and a couple of series where a car was totaled. Mm -hmm. and I was in numerous fights. Um, uh, used to drug, you know, rob drug dealers for their drugs. Um, you know, been shot at, been jumped by a gang. And growing up in that time, I was involved in a lot of criminal uh, gang activity yeah. uh, with associations I was I was with. You know, and so by the time I reached 26 years old, I graduated, so to speak, uh, to cocaine and heroin. And I used to sniff coke and heroin 
on a daily basis. And that combination alone, it's, I'm so grateful to be alive to, to speak about it mm-hmm. because that's something that we used to call a term uh, speedballing. Yeah. Just, yes, those combinations is very, very toxic for the body and it's detrimental to our health and, and well-being. I'm, I'm just grateful to be alive today. Yeah. And it was hard for me to hold down a job because, you know, my DUI convictions. So I, I sold drugs uh, to make a few dollars. But in our actuality, to me, it was just really truly to support my my drug habit. You know, I was I was financially, verbally physically, emotionally abusive in my romantic relationship, you know, I felt like a, a loser. Yeah. And I used alcohol and other drugs as a means to feel better about myself, but not realizing, um, you know, the same particular drugs and the behaviors I was putting myself into was the reason why I was one of the reasons why I felt the way I did in the first place. So it was a very, very vicious cycle, you know, mm. the feelings of insecurity, um, hopelessness, uh, poor self-esteem, uh, worthlessness was was embedded so deep in my subconscious mind. I, I truly felt like a loser, and and, and I reached for something outside of myself uh, to feel better. Yeah. And for, it worked for a while. It didn't work anymore. <laughs> it didn't. Yeah, man. You know, it's interesting because I've I've heard you share about that before. You've heard me share about my story, and we've both heard countless others share their stories. And it's amazing how it doesn't matter what background we kind of have, but, you know, the experiences are often so similar. You know, of course, they're not exactly the same, but that reaching out for something else because we do feel like a loser or we feel empty or sad or depressed or whatever. And just, you know, the the insanity of, of going to that external thing. Oh, yeah. and, and the insanity part comes in after you're talking about, you know, DUIs, this and that, but I'm still going to that. And, and you know, I relate as you're saying that I'm not in my head. Okay. Yep. Yep. Me too. <laughs> like the blackberry brandy. Uh-huh. The oldie. Uh-huh. Then it was whiskey and vodka and, and yeah. pills and what, you know, any drugs I can get my hands on. It was such a mess, but anything to take me out of me, you know, anything that, so I didn't have to be with myself because that was the, the worst place for me to ever be at was with me. You know, it's just so I, I, I hear what you're saying. So let's talk about then what what led you into becoming incarcerated? But then also so start with that. But then while incarcerated, you find meditation and that kind of sets you on this path towards inner peace. Right. You know, while in prison, which I'm sure that wasn't easy. So what led you into prison and, and talk to me about finding meditation in that? Absolutely. Um, just the lifestyle and everything that was associated with, okay. um, you know, the, the criminal activities, sure. uh, the violence, um, being uh, abusive yeah. uh, in my relationships. And I truly learned that that hurt people hurt people, yeah. you know, and I was hurting so much emotionally and I lashed out and hurt other people physically. And it usually was the people that loved me the most, the oh, people yeah. that around me that, that supported me and that wanted the best for me. And you know, I was saying before, I was I was abusive in my romantic relationship. So um, I got into a lot of uh, domestic situations, a lot of violence, uh, being under the influence of alcohol and other drugs, and being in very toxic relationships, and not able to deal with my my anger, um, my frustration because I'm feeling like my life is totally out of control. Yeah. So yeah. I wanted something to, to control, and in my relationships, I was very controlling. I was very abusive. Um, in that. And so I started going uh, going to prison for that, for D, uh, D, DUI. And I started going to, um, you know, getting arrested and I started going to, uh, to court, you know, and the judge would put me on probation, you know, uh, tell me to do a program. And I never took none of the program seriously. Yeah. Um, there was times, you know, right after the program. I went to go use, you know, I would, there were times where I would drink on the way to the program. So exactly. yeah, I hear what you're saying, man. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. and I never forget this day, man. I, I was, I was, I knew there was a big possibility for me to get um, tested at my probation officer and get drug, drug tested. And I remember doing a couple pops of cocaine before walking in just to calm, just calm myself down, just relax a little bit and walking in there. Sure enough, um, you know, he, he tested me for uh, any drugs and it came back, came back dirty. Yeah. And, you know, I had a few, uh, you know, uh, violation of, of probation. And so, you know, the judge pretty much got tired of seeing my ass. 
So he started sending me to, to prison. And I'll go to prison. And my first experience in prison, I was a little nervous. You know, I didn't know what to expect, yeah. you know, the fear of the unknown. But, you know, I'll get out and I'll do the same thing all over again. You know, and it was a, it was a vicious cycle into that as well. And I never forget the uh, my last uh, sentence I did. You know, I was I was sentenced to five years, suspended after two, four year probation. And I sat it right there in my bunk bed. You know that I needed to make some changes in my life. I need to be the man my daughter can look up to and be proud of. And I got sick and tired of being sick and tired. Something had to change. Me in and out of prison, and that was my my fourth prison bed at that time and nothing was changing you know it's just the way I felt it towards myself my, you know my daughter's getting older the world is, is, is continuing to move um forward and and I was just still stuck in this, this vicious cycle of addiction and and it's just this fast lifestyle and this behavior I was so much dependent on um, to deal with my life and move forward in my life and I felt like a dog just chasing his tail, you know, just, just really going in circles. So I made a decision, you know, to take advantage of all the programs available while I was incarcerated this time, every single program. And the program that truly helped me the most was the drug treatment program in prison. So it was a four months program. And, you know, it, it taught me a lot about the science of addiction. And it really allowed me to do the, the inner work that I needed to do in order to move forward in my life and learn more about myself. You know, I truly believe that it was divine intervention uh, going to prison because I was taken out of my element, so to speak, and I was able to do the inner work I needed to do to heal, you know, emotionally, reconnect spiritually, and also look at my process of thinking and my, my process of behaving and really change that perspective and really um, challenge my belief systems which I believe a lot of, uh, of my driving force of the direction and choices I was making, it's, it's there. It's, it's in the subconscious um, awareness. It's in my belief system, what I believe in, my attitude. And I had an opportunity to reconnect with my body. And, and so it was, a, it was a very valuable um, learning experience for me being in this, in this uh, prison program. And it was a four-month program. And after you know, I completed the program, the counselors hired me uh, to be a peer mentor. Mm. So really helping other um, people that's incarcerated um, through peer-to-peer -peer support. So that was my true experience with peer-to-peer -peer support. You know, I've been, you know, I had to go to um, NA and AA. Um, you know, I was mandated to go through the court system, so I never took it seriously and never sinked in. And I had an opportunity to really experience peer support while I was in prison. And to be honest with you, Chris, there was this, Drugs in prison, just as there is anywhere else in, in, in the community. So I chose not to consume any drugs um, while I was incarcerated because I really wanted to make the changes I needed to make in my life, mm -hmm. you know, and really supporting other um, people that I was incarcerated with um, on their journey towards health and wellness and recovery. It was a valuable, valuable experience for me because it allowed me to see, hey, I could, I could support other people on their healing journey as well. Right. And as well as support myself and learn so much about myself. And it was, a, it was a positive experience. And that was my first experience with yoga, with meditation. And I had a lot of misconceptions about yoga and meditation, <laughs> you know, but the things, I was, things I was doing prior to going to prison, it wasn't working for me no more. Yeah. So I truly had to step out of my comfort zone to try something new. And by Looking within, and that's for me, that's where true healing begins. By looking within and by utilizing those tools of yoga and meditation and creative expressive arts like, like poetry and journaling, I was able to find that sense of calmness and inner peace in a very hostile and restrictive environment such as prison. And it allowed me to, instead of emotionally react to situations, because still, I'm still in a negative environment. I'm still dealing with a lot of hostility. I'm still dealing with a lot of people that don't want to be there and just mad, yeah, you know, yeah, so dealing yeah. with the CEOs and just the negative energy that I was, I was dealing with. So I had to learn how to navigate myself in a, in a, in a successful way without getting myself any tickets or getting in trouble or, or anything to jeopardize my 
um, ability to go home, especially yeah. on parole or, or, or anything like that. Yeah. So it, it, it was a powerful learning experience for me. But, but for most of all, by doing that inner work and going within, I was able, able to understand the root causes of my addiction. And, and from that experience, I learned that unprocessed, unhealed emotional pain and distress from traumatic experiences was at the root of my addiction. And that was a powerful, powerful learning experience. Yeah. You know, instead of figuring, instead of thinking about what's wrong with me, you know, I had to think about, you know, what I experienced in my life, what what traumatic events that happened in my life that allowed me to see myself and the situations and, and my life in a different perspective and how I had to reach for something outside of myself uh, to feel better and to feel normal or to move forward in my life. And, um, you know, in the beginning, like I was saying earlier, you know, drugs, you know, wasn't my problem at first. It was the solution to my problem. Right. But the problem of emotional pain and, and feeling less than and distress that I experienced, um, that, was the, that was the root cause of, 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 of the situation and how I reached for something outside of myself to feel better. And, um, you know, it, it was just I got in, caught up to a dependency, then a full-blown addiction mm-hmm. from that whole experience trying to find a solution um, to the emotional pain. Yeah. I've been so conditioned to reach for something outside of myself um, when I had a headache. You know, I'm conditioned to reach for an aspirin. Right. Dealing with this emotional pain, um, I was conditioned, and I reached for something like alcohol, the marijuana, the cocaine, the heroin, the prescription drugs. I reached for those things, and and um, you know, and it was a temporary solution, but it ended up creating a ton of more problems. Oh yeah, yeah. It's a <laughs> no shortage of uh, wreckage from the past. You know, I I know we both yeah. have have that and have to work through it and you know that's one of the beauties i have found of meditation you know, you mentioned like uh, a misperception of that and mm-hmm. and yoga um actually you said i thought of there's an old ghost face killer song one where he quickly says meditate in yoga just to fit in a rhyme <laughs> and i always think about that because i you know I, I love him in that album and i often think about like i wonder what he thinks about meditation and yoga you know but anyways <laughs> Speaking of misperceptions, though, of like meditation, uh, a lot of people, myself included, when I first came to the path, you know, looked at it as like, all right, I'm going to start meditating and life's going to be perfect. You know, life's going to get really beautiful and blissful and happy. And and it was kind of the polar opposite. You know, of course, those experiences happen. That's a natural part of of, uh, meditation, you know, if you stick with it. But what I experienced was it also when you start to when it when it helps quiet the mind and, and stillness becomes a bit more of a, your foreground, it allows for a lot of this emotional stuff that we have been suppressing, you know, and pushing down with the drugs and the alcohol to begin coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that was a, a rude awakening for me. It was like, holy shit, I thought everything was going to be really nice. And now I'm like, oh. <laughs> But that's the beautiful thing is that one, not only does it allow these things to start to come up, but there are different, you know, meditative practices and and other things outside of meditation, too. But then teach us to begin to work with these emotions and tend to them, you know, and and allow them to come up. And that's the stuff that keeps us sick and suffering. You know, like you said, these emotional things that have not been acknowledged and worked with. So, um. So I'm so glad you found that, man. And and that's part of the, the passion I know that Toivo has is offering these techniques to people that otherwise often wouldn't have access to them. You know, you look at a lot of the treatment centers that are out there today, and I, I think things are starting to change a little. They Some of them seem to be starting to incorporate a little more meditation yoga, which is wonderful. Mm-hmm. The the treatment centers I went through, um, the many of many, many of them didn't. Um, it was a very rigid, you know, kind of like do this, do this, do this, you know, they, it was a, a, a one plus one equals two kind of approach that they would put on every single individual, not recognizing that each individual is unique in their recovery needs and process. So that's what I love that Toivo, uh, is offering these to a lot of people again, which wouldn't have access to them. So, Let's talk about, so now, you know, you're incarcerated and, and you find meditation and yoga and you start this inner healing journey and, and you leave jail. How how do you come to Toivo from there? Talk to me a little bit about that. And, and then uh, let's talk about Toivo and the incredible things happening there. 
I love to share a poem that I wrote while I was in prison that really helped me to like process my raw human emotions in a healthy way. Um, By going within, by practicing meditation, I was able to, um, you know, express my emotions in a healthy way through written and spoken word, such as poetry and journaling. And it was a very uh, healthy process for me to really um, feel my emotions and see my emotions and acknowledge my emotions and process them in a healthy way so I could release them. I would love to hear it again. That's great. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. Uh, The name of this poem is called Eyes of a Silent Sun. Look into my eyes and tell me what you see. Is it a lost soul with no control trying to be free? As I look into the mirror and stare into my eyes, I see all the anger and self-hate, hypocrisy and lies. I see resentment and frustration, embarrassment and pain. I see jail bars and fancy cars as I cruise down memory lane. I see the feelings I repressed going back to childhood. I need to let go of those feelings. I would if I could. I see the hurt that I caused to the ones I love the most. I see my brother on his wedding day as we celebrate with a toast. I see the good and bad times that I experienced in my life, but it's so hard to let go of all that bitterness and strife. There's a sense of sadness when you look into my eyes, like the ones you see when a close relative dies. But this death is not physical. It has to do with the soul. It's that morbid feeling we get when our spiritual energy is low. It's like nothing matters anymore. Like that day when I was fired, feeling depressed and weak. Can't sleep, but I'm so tired. I'm tired of all the pain, the hurt, and the rain from that cloud that keeps following me. Sometimes I think I'm insane. But when I look out the window and see the beauty of the lake, it reminds me of good times, like when I was nine and things were fine. And with the sunrise, I can feel the presence of the creator. When I look out my window, I see me in the beauty of nature. I'm a part of God's creation, nature, and humanity. The loving spirit that's in Jesus is also in me. So I learned to love myself and others just for who we are. I learned and I learned all about this love looking out my window with jail bars. That experience in prison, man, it allowed me to see things from a different perspective. Looking out that window, I was able to like visualize the fact that the same divine essence, the same creative force created the sun, the moon, the stars, the trees. Um, nature, all the animals that I see, the pond, the lake, all of that created me, created you, created all of us. Then I started looking at myself from a different perspective. Maybe I'm not a piece of shit after all. Mm. And that allowed me to mentally change my perspective, my, my perspective on myself from going from a, a more of a victim mentality. Uh, I'm an addict. I'm an alcoholic. I'm, I'm a high school dropout. I'm a convicted felon to a more of a victor mentality. I'm a person that's in recovery from alcohol and other drugs. And through that experience of meditation and, and processing my, my emotions through written and spoken word, I was able to just, that it, just process my emotions, feel them, you know, acknowledge them, and, and let them uh, be released in a very healthy way. And in prison, I, I was able to connect spiritually you know, and, and develop a personal relationship with my creator you know, with my higher power. And that was powerful because I grew up in the church. You know, I've been around on um, the church and the family, but I never had a personal relationship. And through that experience, I developed a personal relationship uh, with the creator, with my higher power. But importantly, I was able to connect back with my body and feel my body. Um, and just really um, through yoga and through going out and walking outside, one of our counselors, you know, there was a point in time that I didn't want to go outside because it reminded me too much of, of, you know, home, you know, I, I just, I didn't want to be outside because I, I just, I wanted to be home if I was able to go out there for wreck or anything. But one of my counselors, he challenged me to go outside and, and start jogging or even start, better yet, start going for a walk with me and another peer mentor. And I started doing that and I, and I, I enjoyed the fresh air and I really started building a healthy uh, connection with nature and the beauty of nature. 
Then we started jogging and I felt so free and liberated while in prison. And all these different tools I started learning with the yoga and the meditation and journaling and writing poetry and connecting with nature, I started seeing life from a different different perspective. And for me, that's, that would really help me to be the man that I am today because I had to change my mentality. I had to change my perspective um, to really move forward and sustain that recovery out in the community. So once I was released from prison, you know, I linked up with, um, I did a lot of, of research, um, want to connect with so many different resources in my community. So once I got home, well, first I went to a, a, a drug program or a halfway house slash drug program in Waterbury for a little while. And that helped me to kind of like, you know, secure my um, recovery. But once I released back into my community, all the different resources I collected from the program and from prison, I was able to reach out to them. And one of the programs I reached out to was was CCAR, which is the Connecticut Community for Addiction Recovery, and and um, they started contacting me on a on a on a weekly basis with their telephone recovery support services they have, and just having somebody to call you up and be like, "Hey, what's up, man? How you doing? What's going on? How are things going? You know, you need to go to a meeting. You know what I mean? Just just listening to me and just hearing me out." And I reached out to another program that helped people that was in, that was previously incarcerated. Um, to sustain their recovery in the community called Access to Recovery. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's, a, it's a federal funded program which um, linked me up with a caseworker. And this caseworker was also a person that was in recovery from alcohol and other drugs too. And, you know, we didn't meet in, in our office. We, we didn't meet in a clinical setting. We met in the community. We met at a local coffee house. And that allowed me to feel a part of the community again because I felt so isolated from the community of this mentality and this perception I had about myself, you know, this, this drug dealer, this drug addict, this alcoholic, just all these different high school dropout, all these different labels that I prisoned myself with, you know, so that mentality I had. So just meeting the community, feeling a part of the community again. And, uh, and she was able to, like, connect with me in a, such a powerful way because she understood where I was coming from. She understood what I was talking about because she'd been there, just like you've been there. And it was just... A good experience and she listened to me and she allowed me to be seen to be heard to be valued just as i am yeah. coming out of prison just as i am and she linked me to, up to different other resources within the community and she linked me up with the ymca which i was able to uh continue to work on my fitness and health and i continued to uh, dive deeper into my meditation practice and that's when i got into more into sound healing and experiencing sound healing meditation at a, a place in East Hartford called uh, the Conduit Center, uh, which was Jeff and and, um, and Owen and, and and Ed Cleveland and, and Kelly Joy were, were big mentors for me in the holistic healing and with sound healing. And she also linked me to uh, Recovery University, which is uh, part of Advocacy Unlimited. And... I took a, a recovery, a peer recovery sports specialist um, training. So taking my lived experience that I've been through and able to support other people um, in the mental health and addiction field. And taking that program, that's what I met, that's when I met Darren Drum, you know, which is the executive director of Advocacy Unlimited. And we just became close. You know, we talked, you know, and we had a lot of similarities in our in our recovery experiences. And, you know, we kept in contact. Um, I started volunteering for, for Advocacy Unlimited. And then when the opportunity came, when I was able to be a part of this new wellness initiative called Toivo, um, I was just honored and, and, and grateful for that opportunity. And, and I still am. And, and you know, and, and Toivo is a Finnish word that, that means hope, you know. And, and we both know that hope is a very important aspiration for all of us to have in our lives. And and personally, without hope, I wouldn't be in recovery from alcohol and other drugs today. Mm. And here at Toyba, we instill that hope and that inspiration and that sense of empowerment by offering a holistic approach to health and healing. Taking a holistic approach involves seeking tools that help us calm our minds and relax our bodies and nourish our souls. And at Toyba, we provide those tools by offering different classes and workshops and support groups such as yoga, meditation, sound healing, Qigong, Zumba. Uh, we had different uh, groups of support, such as 
uh, alternative to suicide support groups mm-hmm. and and um, hearing voices support groups for voice hearers, for people that see unusual perceptions. We have men and women recovery support groups. We have healing trauma support groups for people that experience trauma in their life and ready to heal and move forward um, beyond anger and violence. We have different workshops on nutrition because what we put in our bodies does affect our mental and emotional well-being. Um, workshops on transformative habits, mindfulness, creative expressive arts, uh, writing, uh, just to name a few things. You know, you know, Toy is a place where people have an opportunity to look, at, um, look inside themselves, at the whole person, to truly understand the mind, body, and spirit connection, to promote health, prevent illnesses, relieve stress, and become awareness of the imbalances in our lives. But holistic healing is intended to serve as a, as a quick fix or a band-aid yeah. It's a long journey. It's a process towards living better and being healthier. But the key is taking personal responsibility for our own health and well-being. It's great to have, you know, natural supports from our loved ones and family or even community supports like places like Toyville and the 12-step community or even professional supports from our clinicians, our therapists, our psychiatrists, our medical doctors. But I really believe that nobody knows my body better than I do. And it's great to have all the supports from these different people in my life to help me, to support me on my healing journey. But the key for me was to really take personal responsibility for my health and well-being, be accountable for myself and for my choices mm-hmm. and actions in my life. And I'm just so grateful to be a part of this healing community that we call called Toivo and offering different classes and workshops, not only here in Hartford, Connecticut, but also to different other drug rehab centers, prisons, um, we had a contact from um, the VA hospital to do some work for their integrative health program. Um, just different agencies, organizations, clubhouses throughout the state of Connecticut and really bring these healing modalities to these places, you know. And and just really, this is a place where people have an opportunity to, to try something new. Yeah. Even our abilities to learn, grow, and heal. Cultivating healthy ways to relate to one another. And reconnecting to our inner essence and creativity, it's what Toyba is all about, man. And, and I truly believe that that love, the unconditional agape love, is life's most powerful healer. And I welcome, we welcome everybody who walked through these doors with that love, with that compassion, with that support. Like when I was in prison, you know, it was kind of scary trying something new, you know, stepping out of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. People that's walking through those doors, you know, they, uh, for the most part, a lot of them might be stepping out of their comfort zone because they never experienced any type of the holistic healing modality that we offer here. And so just meeting them where they're at, allowing them to be seen and heard and valued just as they are, the beautiful human beings that they are, and really build on their strengths. And we also like to leave the labels, leave the diagnosis at the door, and let's come celebrate human life together, you know, and, and support each other in a, in a very healthy um, and loving way. You know, and that's what Toivo is all about. Yeah, it absolutely is, man. I I speak from experience myself. It's a real, real special place. Uh, And I'm so glad that, you know, it's branching out throughout Connecticut and, and, uh, you know, you're able to to share what's going on there. You know, it's a real magical place. And I don't mean to over romanticize it, but it really is. Uh, Every time I I walk through those doors, man, you just feel it immediately. And Toivo uh, is state funded, right? Correct. Now, what I want to ask you, because... I see this in Connecticut, and I know it's not just Connecticut. It seems to be pretty much across the board throughout the U.S., but when it's time to cut funds, mm-hmm. the first things that start getting cut are the mental health you know, fields and, and uh, facilities. And um, and luckily, Toivo has, has continued to thrive in that environment, which is wonderful. Um, but the fact remains that funding is just always being cut, and people are being left out and not getting the services they need. So... From from your own experience with that, what what do you think we can do as as individuals, as communities, to really get our voices heard? You know that this needs to stop. Like the funding needs to stop. I mean, like I said, it's wonderful that Toivo is continuing on. I know sometimes when budget comes around, everyone's on pins and nails, and uh, uh, but it, things have been great. But still, you know, we're seeing the other facilities getting cut in, in the, the treatment centers, you know, and oh, it's terrible. So I don't know, man, from your travels, from the people you've talked with, from the facilities you visited, like, what, what are your thoughts on that, man? Sure, Chris. You know, it, it's just funny that 
these politicians and elected officials, they get in front of the camera and they talk about um, this heroin epidemic we have yeah. and how we need a support and how we need community supports and how we need to, um, you know, come together as a community and support this and um, defeat this epidemic. But at the same time, uh, they cut in um, detox centers, they cut in um, facilities to, for people to get the support that they need um, um, to beat this addiction and this, this heroin and opiate addiction. And it's interesting. And But one thing I could say about uh, but our Department of Mental Health and Addiction Services here in Connecticut is um, nationally, we have the forefront um, from the peer perspective, from people that have lived experience with mental health and addiction challenges, as um, far as being innovative and really taking um, a holistic approach and, and utilizing the lived experience perspective in a healthy way and valuing that and see the, um, uh, the importance in that, having that, that lived experience perspective. You know, just a saying, um, I don't care how much you know until I, I know how much you care. You know, so us as people with lived experience, we've been there, we know that, and we understand how that person is feeling and be able to support them on their healing journey is, is so important for us. Yeah. But um, we, de- we do need the funding, you know, and we're grateful um, that we didn't uh, get affected like a lot of other places got affected here in Connecticut because I, I believe they understand the value of the peer perspective, but also their value of integrative health, um, actually doing the inner work that we need. Um, and that's where the true healing begins, and that's how we're able to um, find freedom from alcohol, other drugs, heroin, opiates, and what have you, you know, by doing the inner work that we need to do. So allowing us to be here from a lived experience perspective and bring these holistic modalities to different places is, is vitally important for us. Yeah. And really allow people, all of us to come together you know, as a community and express our importance of, of doing the inner work that we need, having the community supports. I know a lot of people, they do great um, in, a, in a drug treatment program, but once they go back to the communities, then what? Yeah. So having places like Toyo where people could come together with like-minded people in a healing community and feel supported, if, you know, to feel valued, you know, and, and go through um, the different difficult um, emotional uh, the stress that they may be experienced in a very supportive way, in a very healing way um, for us to move forward. And, and I, I think it's just important for us to um, continue to express that every time, every chance we get at, at a legislative level to understand the importance of having community supports in our community to support the people on the healing journey um, through addiction and mental health issues, you know. Yeah. And I, I truly believe that that no one should be denied the benefits of, of yoga and meditation or any other of the offerings that we have here at Toyota because of social economic standing or, or psychiatric histories or experiences with addiction. Our, our, our classes and workshops are donation-based. So give what you can. We have a suggested donation of $5. You have $5? Cool. If not, that's cool too. Yeah. $5, that's cool too. The main thing we want is for people to, to come together and find out which holistic modality works for them. For some people, it might be yoga. For some people, it might be meditation. For some people, it might be sound healing. For some people, it might be Zumba. Whatever it is, there's something out there that helps us to, to calm our minds and, and relax and really and connect with our, ourselves spiritually and, and deal with our emotions in a, in a healthy way. And um, this is the space to do it. It is. And I, I don't think we've mentioned the website yet for anyone who's interested. It's toivocenter.org. And Toivo, again, is spelled T-O-I-V-O center.org um and you know i'll mention too for anyone that is interested that's not in the connecticut area we are going to be uh coming together brainstorming something where we can bring it outside of connecticut and start sitting down with other people so if anyone's interested all of our contact information myself calvin starens anyone uh is is available at that website so if you are out of state you're listening to this and you're interested, please feel free to reach out to one of us and uh, it's something we'll be doing in the, the near future. So I'm excited. So look forward to that, Chris. Yeah. So let's see. Sound healing, we're going to talk about in one minute and mm-hmm. uh, a special treat for the audience. Kelvin actually has his sound healing bowls and he's going to give us a little demonstration, which is cool. But before that, I want to ask you, what are three books that have been very 
beneficial in your life and why? You know, three books you would recommend. They don't have to be all spiritual or they can be all spiritual. I know you want to name two of my books, but let's leave those aside. <laughs> we, you know, we'll be fair here. <laughs> what, are, what, are, what are three books, Kelvin, that, uh, that have really impacted you and, and why? Um, we're all doing time. Yeah, Bo Lozoff. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Book. Um, that was a powerful book that really allowed me to go even deeper uh, and, and doing the, the inner work while I was incarcerated. Um, it was it was really it was just so powerful for me. Yeah. It was just so powerful for me um, on that book. And, and I had an opportunity to write him and let him know how much that book uh, meant to me um, yeah. before he passed away. And, yeah. and he able to he was able to uh, write me back and, and told me to uh, continue to move forward. That's um, great in my recovery. So that was one of the uh, most uh, influential book for me to really um, shift my perspective. And another book was uh, The House of Healing. Um, I forgot the author's name. She has a, a very long name, Robin. Um, her name is very, last name is very long. <laughs> <laughs> right on. But it's called The House of Healing. Okay. <laughs> yeah, House of Healing. And that was another book that allowed me to um, do some more inner work and do some more inner, inner healing. Um, that I needed to do in my life in the four agreements. Oh, sure. Four agreements. Um, yeah. And, and that was able to, that allowed me just to, just to, to simplify things. You know, it was a very short um, book, you know what I mean? But it made so much sense for me, yeah. especially being incarcerated and having, having that opportunity to um, think about a lot of things and change my perspective on life. And um, those books were, the, were, were um, very powerful for me. Um, yeah yeah for i love the four agreements because it is it's so short and easy you know i mean four agreements that really is it condensed of course then it elaborates on what what and why uh, of them but um yeah man i i really appreciate those too and and the nice thing about the ruiz is who i've had a chance to work with and and meet uh are beautiful like real heart-centered people like what Mm. you see is what you get it's not like some other people i've encountered where they present one thing and then <laughs> something totally different but you're gonna find that anywhere in life and so it is uh but yeah i love i love their work they're really beautiful folks so cool man yeah well we're we're getting running down on time um let's talk about sound healing which you know is a, a huge passion of yours mm-hmm. i've uh been very fortunate to a few times now experience your sound healing and it's always uh, deeply impactful when I when I do it so I would love for you to talk a little bit about sound healing what it is why you're passionate about it and then uh, like I said you're going to give us a little demonstration with your bowls absolutely yeah um, I have to give a shout out to my mentors you know Kelly Joy love and Kelly. Yep. great, <laughs> yeah, yeah. great That's people how we connected. Yeah, with yes Kelly. yeah and um, Thanks, you know Kelly. you're <laughs> great sound healers and and like i said earlier about um going to the conduit center once i was released from prison and um really wanted to dive more deeper into my meditative practice but once i experienced meditation with sound um from the tibetan singing bowls and from the gongs and from the crystal uh, singing bowls it's just the feeling was just so expansive i felt one with with everything with everything, and it brought me to a state of, of just total peace and calmness and relaxation, and it was just uh, it was an awesome experience that I fell in love with on the first the first time I experienced the sound healing meditation uh, with uh, Jeff and Owen at the Conduit Center, and so I, I wanted to learn more about it. You know, I was really um, into meditation, but meditation with sound, okay, that that resonated with me. The vibrations resonated with me, like literally. And and I came to uh, take a couple of certification trainings um, to work with sound in a healing way, you know, in a therapeutic way. And I just just fell in love with that experience. And I just wanted to uh, go a little deeper and bring these experiences that I, you know, went through, I experienced in my life to really support other people on their healing journey. And, you know, the vibrations... And, and from the crystal singing bowls, not only you can hear the sounds from the crystal singing bowls, but you can feel the vibration. And it really penetrates uh, to the cellular level. Mm-hmm. You know, I believe that in Sound Healers, you know, we believe that, you know, we're energy, you know. And, and you know, when we're in a flow of things, when there's a sense of balance 
and flow in our energy, you know, we're in, in, in optimal health. You know, where there is a blockage of certain energies within our, in our body systems, our energy centers um, that we know as chakras, we get a sense of imbalance uh, in our life. And that's what can create um, a dis-ease in elements uh, within our body systems. And the vibrations uh, from the crystal singables, it really penetrates to the cellular level. It really allows um, uh, the vibration to, to go through our organs and our bones and, and our tissues and, and all these other aspects of our bodies and really um, bring a sense of release a lot of the stuck energies and a lot of the um, the issues that's in our tissues. Um, a good friend of mine, you know, um, he talks about that, how the issues is in our tissues. And the, the vibration allows us to release a lot of that, that stuck energies and, and emotional pain and trauma that's in our bodies yeah. in, in a very healthy way. And it brings a sense of calmness and relaxation um, and his studies have shown how it helped with people that experience uh, post-traumatic stress mm -hmm. or depression or anxiety. And it brings a sense of calmness and inner peace um, to a person. And I really love how Nikki Myers, and she's also the founder of uh, Yoga and 12-Step Recoveries, how she talks about how the issues is, is in our tissues and yeah. how certain movements like yoga helps to release those, those um release the trauma that's in our bodies, but also the, the vibrations from the crystal singing bowls or any uh, healing instrument to release the, a lot of the stuck energy that's in our, in our body system and allow us to create a sense of homostasis or balance, mm -hmm. not only in the physical body, but in the mental, emotional, and spiritual aspects of our bodies as well, too, and, and create that sense of, of balance that we need. Yeah. And really look at ourselves as a whole person, not just more than just our physical bodies. Right, right, right. Mm. Well, I thank you for saying that. And I love like, you know, I that was something I wasn't familiar with for many years about the tissues until I started reading the work of Peter, like people like Peter Levine mm -hmm. or Bessel van der Kolk and uh, David Berselli, Gabor Mate, you know, all these people start talking about this and how the trauma's in there, you know, and but it is beautiful. There are different ways to get in there and begin to release it. I like using uh, David Berselli's trauma release exercises. It's a mm -hmm. set of uh, seven stages. They've worked wonderfully. The sound healing, like you said, another beautiful way of just sitting there uh, mm -hmm. and, and allowing it to, to enter in. Um, so that said, let's let's do a, a quick right. uh, little run Wait. through your, your bowls if we could. <laughs> okay. So that'd be great. And now how long have you been doing this uh, for, Kelvin? It's been over about a year and a half now. Okay. Yeah, over a year. And I'm just... Uh, Grateful to to be learning this and experiencing it, yeah, and um, and diving deeper every time, and um, allowing the facilitation of healing uh, through these bowls, through these uh, crystal singing bowls. Yeah. So I like to start off with setting up an intention. Uh, one of our teachers, which is Jonathan Goldman. He talks about how frequency, so the frequency from the crystal single blues plus our intention equals healing. So I like to put myself in a very calm, relaxed space right now, I like to root in the ground. I like to set an intention for the sound healing experience.
<sighs> Thank you, man. That was so beautiful. Thank you, brother. Thank you, man. And it it pales in comparison, you know, to to being there in person, of course, and really feeling it firsthand. Uh, but I'm so glad at least, you know, we, we can share a little bit of this. Um, so for anyone that is in the Connecticut or even New England area, um, Kelvin does this quite frequently. Uh, the Conduit Center, as you've mentioned, also, you know, they do their work quite frequently. Um, I encourage anyone uh, in the audience to check out again, org. There's a calendar of events right there. Um Calvin actually and I and Darren and Hillary, who is also at Toivo, will be doing a workshop on September 3rd, uh, where Calvin will be, if I'm correct, doing some sound healing there as well. Cool. Well, Kel, it's been a pleasure, man. Do you have any last words before we uh, we bring this uh, lovely conversation to a close? Absolutely. And just, you know, the people that may be experiencing any type of emotional distress, yeah. any type of states, remember, there's always hope. Never, ever give up. Never give up. Never give up. The support is out there. Support is out there. Kelvin, thank you, man. You are a continued inspiration to me in my own life. Uh, I love you dearly, my friend, and uh, grateful for your time. Thank you so much, man. Thank you. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash BeHereNowToday to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash BeHereNow.